0: Hello, welcome to Cameras or Whatever, the podcast for working photographers. I'm Tyler Stolman.
1: And I am Cameron Whitman.
0: And we're back again and have been very busy and have a, I mean, I personally have a lot of things on my mind, but not a lot of time to talk about it. So Mm -hmm. we uh, crammed in a little bit of time to make sure we could talk about some of the things we've been up to lately. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I'm also going to say that I'm pressed enough for time that I'm going to be editing photos while we record. So uh, <laughs> as in some previous episodes, you may hear a bit of a uh, clicking. Click, click. Yeah. And that is me in Photoshop cloning. Yeah. How could you? <laughs> yeah, but don't worry, you'll have my full attention. One thing I l- really like about photography as a job is that I can, I can pretty effectively create a wall between the visual and idea parts of my brain. Mm-hmm. So while I'm editing, I usually have a pretty easy time either listening to podcasts or, uh, audiobooks. And, um, I can just kind of keep clicking away or, uh, in this case, you know, re- recording podcasts while I'm editing.
1: Yeah. I think that I'm fairly good at that too. Although every now and then, depending on what I'm doing, I might get a little too far down that rabbit hole <laughs> and then not be able to keep up with the conversation. <laughs> Yeah, you get too heavily
0: clothing on one spot, and you're like, sorry, what'd you say? Exactly. No, no, not me. Not at all. I've uh, I've got this under control. So, okay, first of all, there is so much news right now, and Mm -hmm. we are not a news show. We're trying to record these in a way that you can uh, come back and listen to it six months or a year from now, and it'll still make sense. So uh, I I don't want to get too newsy, but just to say that uh, we will cover the iPhone and 5D Mark 4 in a way or I will I will have things to say about them. Yes. But uh I don't want to talk about them in a news way as of this recording they are um just the 5 is just being released and the uh, or sorry the 5D is just being released and the iPhone is uh, just announced but I have a lot to say about both of them and I will once I uh, I have them so because mm-hmm. I, I will be getting both I have a 5D Mark IV pre-ordered. Um, once I get back to Calgary from traveling, um, I'll try it out and let everybody know uh, what I really think.
1: Yeah, I think that that a lot of people are going to be curious.
0: I mean, obviously my first impression is good enough
1: that I... You think, ordered it. Yeah, so that's a little sneak preview for what, <laughs> what I think of it. You know, I think that it's really interesting that and this goes for both of us, because I actually, I just bought the, uh, I finally broke down and bought the Nikon D750. Hmm. Um, and so, anyway, I think this goes for both of us, that despite all these advances in cameras and technology, like, we're still staying with Canon and Nikon.
0: Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, I don't think, I, I've got some more things to say about the Sony this week, mm-hmm. which are, as always, good and bad, but... All of it still comes to the conclusion that they are not ready to replace the workhorse cameras of the of Nikon and Canon. And one interesting realization I had, or um, I, I don't know if I can jump there yet, but it seems like, based on DP review, is that it looks like right now uh, Nikon is just clearly ahead of Canon. Mm-hmm. Everything I hear is uh, the 8, okay, I don't know Nikon numbers, so I might get things wrong, but like the 810. Uh, That's that, right its autofocus noise performance and dynamic range seem like they are going to beat out the 5D Mark IV. Yeah, I'm not surprised personally. Yeah. I mean it's just really interesting like I I had thought because Canon had some extra time maybe they'd be able to catch up but um you know and that's okay with me. I'm not going to switch the I don't really look at Nikons cuz it just it doesn't matter. That's not something that's going to change. I've picked my horse and yep. I think that People that chase having the current best are wasting a lot of time and money. Um, I think that typically Nikon and Canon, like each of them, do pull ahead every three years or so. They go in cycles of one getting a leg up on the other.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, but so you you got the seven fifty. What what is seven I don't, fifty? I don't know. The
1: D seven fifty. It's the they finally gave a, a proper upgrade to the D seven hundred, which was probably one of their most well-loved DSLRs just right out the back when that camera came out every, you know you got great reviews and people just loved using it and I was one of those people so
0: can you explain this to me like a like a fifth grader or i guess like a canon user mm-hmm. can, what are the equivalent canons of each of these so for the 750
1: i guess it would be like this: the 7D Mark II okay so
0: less megapixels, faster performance. Yeah, exactly.
1: And, you know, more, I guess, less pro features, mm-hmm. but still completely pro capable. Right. Lighter camera, uh, just a little bit, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's comparing the... Um, it's hard for me to compare to Canon because I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, so Neither basically it's impossible. So. I can't make yeah. a comparison. So, um, But comparing the 750 to the 810, it's quite a lot smaller and oh. and also lighter. So it's basically I think it you know I'm speaking from my preferences and everything but I'm not even joking that I think it's probably my favorite digital camera I've ever held in my hands. Oh, wow. That's yeah. saying a lot. It is saying um, a I mean, lot.
0: I I had the 7D Mark 1 and uh, at the same time I also had the 5D Mark II and I often felt that way about the 7D. Yeah. Um that that so assuming that they are Comparable. I really do
1: think that's a, a sweet spot. A um, little lighter, a little cheaper, uh, faster. But also, well, I, I can't compare it to the eight ten because I don't have that. But I have the eight hundred, so I can mm-hmm. compare it to that. And I also have the DF, and I can compare it to that. But the uh, the usability on it is just it's remarkable. So I um, I shoot an aperture priority most of the time, and um, that's my comfort zone. I use the EV dials for things and stuff like that. And with this new update, this is a first for Nikon, I don't know if this is something that, that other cameras have already been doing. But um you can so when when you change, when you're in aperture priority, if you if you jog the shutter dial, it'll actually increase the shutter speed, but what it also does is it bumps up the ISO. So when you're in aperture priority, if you you know, if like you know that you need to use, you know, F two or something mm. like that. But you're you're not you don't have enough speed to get a sharp picture. You can just jog the uh, shutter dial and it'll bump the ISO up, right. which on this camera is not a problem. Hmm. You know, like I I recently shot an event that was probably the worst lit thing that I'd ever had to deal with. It was in a um, in a church auditorium at night, and the light was just it was horrible. It was a mix of uh, LED and tungsten and You know, I walked in and went, oh, crap, I'm going to have to use flash all night. And I started shooting a a couple telephoto shots with the DF, and the light was just really yellow-greeny looking, the auto-white balance. And then I grabbed the uh, 750, and I started shooting with that. And, you know, this is literally the first time I've shot with a job with it. And I'm just blown away. By the images on an LCD, like Hmm. the skin tones were perfect in this crappy light.
0: How do you think it's so much better? I mean, in all ways, is the sensor that much different? Like is the color reproduction always a shift from
1: the older sensors? So here's the thing, right? Is that once you get back into the files, back into Lightroom, there's not a huge difference. You know, I was able to, to match them pretty easily, but just... The uh, I guess the technology behind you know how it's doing the auto white balance and 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 especially how it's displaying them is just it's it's unreal. It's, it's just a like future. It is the future. Yeah. It's Around something that then. I have not seen. And uh, you know another interesting thing, and I haven't really got to play with this yet, so I'm not really comfortable talking about it too much. But the uh, the video features seem much more interesting on the D750 than mm. than previous models so
0: is that i saw a sample of yours the other
1: day was that shot on yes
0: okay cool well i mean that looks very nice
1: but um i'd have to take a look at the specs to have an opinion but and i had uh, you know and when i shot that you know it was just like um it was an in the moment situation (laughs) and to say the least and so i didn't look at anything i just switched to video and hit record and it worked and handheld it and and it I th- yeah, I thought it came out beautiful. So I'm excited to to learn now. Yeah, was it the 800? I don't know. I didn't really feel excited to learn video on that camera for some reason.
0: It didn't make it easy enough. Is it um does the 750 have video autofocus that it was missing from the 800? Is that maybe part of it or?
1: Like I said, I'm I'm not sure enough yet. Oh, okay. Were you were you doing manual focus in the one that you did? Yep. And I was at one four. <laughs> 150 millimeter and mm-hmm. manual like it one <laughs> manual focusing and hand holding and this is uh, just i i guess i should wipe away the the suspense or mystery of it it was a <laughs> uh, it was right after my my new baby was born
0: hooray yeah hooray yeah i, I didn't want to be the one to, to say <laughs> it, but yeah no congratulations it's uh it's been so long since we recorded that <laughs>
1: yeah the baby is here yeah exactly
0: and uh so you've got a whole lot to shoot uh, now. Is that actually is that why you got the new camera?
1: No, no yeah. it's not. So um the reason I got it is because you know I I, I constantly shoot events. And um a, a, on occasion there's there's a need to have two cameras and the 800 is just really inappropriate for shooting events. It's it's horrible.
0: What what about it?
1: Well, the file size and and the, oh, and the, yeah, the right. camera size, right. the heft, it's yeah. just all You know, it's just, it sucks. And, you know, I've been really curious about the 750 for a long time. And so I finally just broke down and bought it Hmm. and I am really happy about it. So yeah, it's good. I hate it when you buy a new camera and you immediately immediately have that remorse. (laughs) Eventually, you know, usually it'll fade. Hopefully. Hopefully. And, you know, this time I was excited when I got it. Then I did that first shoot and just everything since then has been amazing. Um, I don't know if you saw the images that uh, I submitted to Stocksy. I did. Yeah. Wait. Finish your sentence, then I'll tell you if I did. They're the ones that that were in the hospital, but all those images, you know, I, they were all shot with the Sigma lenses and the D seven hundred and fifty. And I just feel like there is a realness that I was able to, to get with it, with that digital setup that that I often feel is lacking in mm-hmm. digital. You know, there's there's always something about digital that makes it. Too nice, right? Too too clean, too clean, and too, for lack of a better word, too digital. Yeah. And you know, the more I shoot film, the more the the less I like those qualities.
0: Why is it that absolutely any color processing that I've used digitally has always had the potential to uh, go wrong with certain images to just look terrible? uh, Mm. Where, uh, for example, in um, Lightroom with uh, Visco presets. Uh, If you have like neon lights, really often it'll create this crazy hard line where there should be a gradient. Or in iPhone apps, like, you know, sometimes it brings out noise that doesn't need to be brought out. Or like, there's a million different little ways that digital processing will work for 95% of your photos. And then all of a sudden, every once in a while, you'll hit some weird thing about a file that just looks terrible. (laughs) And in film days, that. I don't think that happened right there wasn't a time when um, all of a sudden like it looked like a glitch in your film because the color science
1: couldn't quite handle it you know it it just always worked i mean i think there's there's different things about film that could go wrong mm-hmm. you know and usually like if it was expired or but generally speaking if you mixed your light sources you'd get a blend of color left, like yellow and blue or whatever just like you get with digital but it rendered so much better
0: but and you know what I mean, right? About especially Lightroom. Maybe it's just uh, nobody has quite written the perfect color processing engine yet. But have you encountered this where you throw oh, on a filter absolutely. that you're used to, and all of a sudden this one image it completely ruins it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's there's quite a few Visco ones that do that, and also some of those Mastin ones. If yeah. if you use it in the wrong light, it just goes crazy. Yeah, it gets really crazy. You know, which is is kind of hindered me with using certain presets. You know, because I think that now I tend to to want to gravitate towards certain presets for specific lighting. You know, so for like maston, I generally I gravitate towards the the 400h when I'm shooting in bright light outdoors. Right, um, that makes
0: sense. I mean, I mean, I think they were intended
1: to be used that way. Yeah, but uh, yeah, just to throw a wrench in that. Um, that, that entire hospital scene, well, not the entire scene, but probably 90% of it, um, was all edited with Mastin Labs and mm. it just, it was perfect for it, Right. which I was surprised because I started with Visco and I felt it was too Viscoy. y Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I definitely know. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so I like, I, I started walking that back and I was just like, not, I just it felt not real enough, you know? And so I tried out the Maston Labs not expecting it to, to be better. And of course like I I I think I almost always have to, to tweak those a lot mm-hmm. to get to to my particular liking, but man, once I got there it was just perfect.
0: Nice. I yeah. I've actually kind of locked into almost entirely one uh, Visco filter for the last little while, uh, mm-hmm. which is from the Film Six pack and it's mm. the Portrait 400 one which there's like different versions um and i much prefer it to their old portrait 400 i don't i can't really describe what's different about it it's um it has a bigger impact uh and then i've made more contrast yeah it's got yeah it's more it's got more oomph and uh, i've made a bunch of customizations to it that are saved in the preset so it is no longer the default Mm -hmm. um, and part of that as well as removing contrast because there is too much so uh i Every time it's applied, it has turned down quite a bit. But um, I've really I've started using that for a lot of, of what we do, just because I've started to really I guess get to know it and, and trust it, and it goes wrong less often
1: than many other presets. I really that's my favorite is the the six. Yeah, they did great with that one. Yeah, they really did. Like I I you know I got the seven, and based on some of the the samples, you know I was excited about it based on the samples, and then. Um, I just haven't found any kind of groove with it in my work. But it's interesting because, like, for my food work, I still use Visco One for all of it. There's some stuff on One that is just right, right from the get go.
0: I think they did a great job with it. But after I've gotten used to my favorite Visco um, app presets, mm-hmm. they are more heavy handed. And going back to some of their earlier film packs, uh, I just feel like the ones I used to like are a little more subtle than I want. And the things I used to really dislike about it is the way that they would pull their shadows or highlights either, especially, you know, shadows being really cool and the highlights being really warm. Mm-hmm. But the, the the ones that I like more recently keep the lighting balance and the lighting ratios pretty neutral and instead are just pushing and pulling colors quite a bit in different directions. I don't know if I'm describing it well, but there are things they've done differently that I, I quite like
1: now. So. Yeah, and that one in particular is something I go to all the time, or at least more frequently than anything else. Yeah. So uh, another thing I've been
0: n- uh, discovering lately is um, really getting more comfortable with the A7R two for stills. Hmm. I, I mentioned before that it was purchased uh, pretty much entirely to be used for video. Right. That's uh, what I want it for. I love the autofocus in it. The uh, S-Log 2 has lots of dynamic range. The 4K looks beautiful. Um, It is a really great video camera. But uh, we are in Croatia. We're still there now. And we came to shoot a wedding. So uh, I had a 5D3 and the A7R. And then Anya was shooting with a 5D3. And um, what I started doing, I started doing it just before the wedding and then um, got comfortable enough to do it throughout is using the manual focus uh, where it automatically punches in to the focus point when you start to turn the lens Mm -hmm. and just really trusting that to get accurate focus at really shallow depths of field. So, we have a previous episode. Uh, I don't remember the number, but I think it's called the, uh, the Boca crutch. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the idea being like, we've, we've talked a lot about that. You shouldn't lean too heavily on shallow depth field. And I often say that I've had almost everything, uh, at F four or larger for a while. Like I, or especially, uh, 2.8. Like I haven't gone below 2.8, honestly, in about a year, like wow. I, because I couldn't trust it. Um, the 5D3 isn't, its autofocus is not accurate enough to reliably find, uh, you know, 1.4 or even 1.8. Um, and I would just get way too many shots out of focus, so I just walked away from it. Uh, and I also, my eyes aren't good enough to manually focus that. So it, it just wasn't really an option. Um, and now doing this with the A7R2, um, I was getting. Like pretty similar um, ratios to the 5D, uh, or to my typical focus expectations, like which is probably like 90% in focus, uh, and that was at you know 1.8, 1.4 on the Sigma 50. Mm-hmm. Um, so then after that, I decided to be a bit bolder and even try using the autofocus with. And this is all using the Metabones adapter, by the way. Okay. Uh entrusting the the autofocus uh, at 1.4 and uh it worked. Um it's it's had pretty much the same hit ratio except when there's movement. Um if the if the subject is really coming towards or away from you, it's not great and I right away switch back to the 5D if I have both cameras. Um, but if the if the subject's more or less in one place, it is much, much more accurate than the Canon uh, ever was. And that's wow. something, yeah, I, I mean, I. that's what I was really excited about when this camera was first announced. I, I think also I talked about that on the early episode when this when we first just heard about the camera. And it... Um, oh, there's fireworks going off. I don't know if they're coming through. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it... Uh, Um, oh, right. Okay. So yeah, we heard about this. And the the point is, is that it auto focuses on the exact same focal plane as the image is taken. Whereas a SLR has a separate focusing area, uh, or sensors that are not on the image capturing sensor, Uh, you need to micro adjust it. And you're kind of at the mercy of how accurate they are at any moment whereas the way that the 70 autofocus works is that it, it is measuring it as a final image basically if it is in focus in the viewfinder it is exactly that focused in the final image because it's all coming through the same sensor so if you are sure that it's focused when you take the photo it will 100 percent be focused in the final image
1: that's a big relief huh
0: yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting and really exciting to see a bunch of, uh, 1.4 stuff for the first time
1: in a while. Uh, that was, actually I have to sharp. say as a, as a Nikon shooter, like that surprises me because I can shoot with, uh, with my Sigma's wide open and not have any fear. Yeah. No,
0: I have not felt that way. And, uh, from, what I've heard, uh, like reading the 5D Mark IV stuff, a lot of people were com- comparing it to the newer Nikon. So I'd been hearing more Nikon stuff that I had lately. And uh, yeah, that, that's generally the feedback, is that Nikon just has been more trustworthy
1: for a while now, which I didn't really realize. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I, I honestly feel like I don't really have to, th- to think about it too much. Yeah, Did, like but I, is your
0: measure of in focus at... Like, at what level do you consider it to be in focus? Because... Part of it is also, um, I don't know. There's, there's different amounts of how truly sharp the, the image
1: is. And, um, well, how are we measuring that?
0: Uh, well, okay. So basically for me, um, most of like most of the volume of my work I, I mentioned before is, uh, with Anya for the blog. And so mm. she is the measure of it and wants it to be extremely sharp, uh, which is, uh, which is totally fair. Um, but it means that I just don't it, it, I don't want anything to be remotely out of focus, um, even at you know basically at hundred percent.
1: Well, and I also think that for the the, the context of what you shoot together, mm-hmm. it makes more sense to to not have it wide open. Yeah, like you want that information in there. You don't want it to to hide stuff. Yeah and yeah. you're also usually shooting outside
0: yeah yeah absolutely it's pretty much all in natural light and um you know even uh assuming that now with you know using the cameras uh, i've got that i could get 100 percent focus at 1.4 it's not like that's what we're going to start shooting for everything um I, I will definitely still do a lot of stuff at 4.0 and 5.6 so
1: well yeah i mean I, I, <laughs> it's funny because i i've been i feel like i've been preaching that for a while stop shooting wide open yeah and then I caught myself shooting wide open a lot in the last two weeks. <laughs> so.
0: Well, it's really, it, it is fun. I mean, it's, there's sort of, um, it's almost, it's just exciting to see really beautiful bokeh, right? When it, when it looks nice and feels like it's enhancing the image, it can be, um, it can be its own
1: reward in a way, but, uh,
0: it also doesn't make an image at all. So
1: no. And I think it's context right yep. so it just depends on what you're doing like when you're shooting inside you know and you don't have much light which is what I've been doing because i've you know i have got a baby so right. um, i'm shooting a wide open a lot and also based on the subject matter i mean a baby is something where you know it it actually helps a lot to have a, a softer focus right yeah so you know and in, in even further on that point i've uh, found you know i've, I've kind of rediscovered a love for the for my old nikon class you know like my old ais stuff on film because you know when you shoot that stuff wide open on a digital it really shows like its limitations you know you get soft focus and and some flaring and and uh, chromatic aberrations and stuff like that mm-hmm. but in film it blends so much better right you know so it's actually you know i feel i feel like, satisfied or justified in my in my setting, <laughs> I guess, the, the way I put together my bags. Mm-hmm. You know, because with digital, I, I use the Sigmas, and then with uh, with film, I use the Nikons. And, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly satisfied with it at this point. It's funny, that reminds me of when I used to
0: help a friend record music. Um, he He was a much more talented musician than me, so I'd kind of, you know, just a system in, uh, audio producing. And at first he had a big Tascam, oh, I think it was a 16 track, uh, recording to, uh, like quarter inch tape, you know, oh, so cool. really small <laughs> little, uh, or no quarter. W- what size is a cassette, you know, a regular cassette. That's what it records. Yeah, it's to. like
1: eighth, eighth inch or something.
0: Yeah. And, uh, tiny. yeah, it's really Small. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of information, especially when you have a lot of tracks. Each track only gets a tiny piece of tape. And you know what? It kind of sounded terrible in a lot of ways. Um, you know, that's what we thought at the time. And then eventually he was able to upgrade to a full Pro Tool system with um, really nice preamps and got some great. Uh, microphones that uh, you know really captured the nuance of all the instruments, mm-hmm. and honestly, the a lot of the soul and, and feeling came out of the recordings for quite a while and, until he was really able to um, get a handle on it. But mm-hmm. it made it much harder to mix. It was it was way easier to get a nice balance between the instruments on the uh, kind of lo-fi um, analog. Uh, just something about, uh, you know, a piece of tape, which is basically a piece of film, um, mm-hmm. blending that together in a, a, you know, physical way. Really, uh, just did something that it, it it takes a lot of effort and understanding to do the same thing with digital. So,
1: yeah, I think that's a good analogy because that's in a lot of ways that's that's how I feel about the differences between analog and digital with photography. Is that you know? Sometimes it's it's what's missing in the in the analog that makes it really sweet. You know, like I just did this. Um, I, I just shot a roll of HP5 and pushed it two stops, and you know, every all. I mean, I'm just I'm like in awe of this of this roll. You know, because I've I've been shooting HP5 for a while now, mm. and in a lot of cases, I find it to be kind of boring or maybe too flat. You know. But in this situation, you know, from, from pushing it and everything and also the, the subject matter and all that, I'm just, I'm just blown away by the way it looks. And I feel like some of that is because of what is probably missing.
0: And well, how, how do you mean by missing? Like it, because the, like the range of the dynamic range, isn't there? or like what's No, missing? the
1: dynamic range is there. It's, it's almost just like a, like pixel information. Like, you know, when you look at a, at a, at a digital image versus a film image. Like a lot of times it just looks like there's a lot more information right. in the digital image. And I wonder if that's part of what gives it, you know, it gives film that, that tactile lifelike feeling is that it doesn't feel too perfect. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating.
0: Well, a uh, short episode today. And um, I hope we do this again very soon and talk about some of the new cameras floating around.
1: Yeah, for sure, and I'm I'm uh, I'm excited to talk about a new lens that's coming out as well. Oh, cool. Um, do you, do you have a quick pick this week at all? Um, well, sure. I have. Uh, there's actually been a number of new records that I've been digging on, but the the my favorite right now is uh, is a new one by the OCS. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with them? I'm not at all. Oh, well, they've been around for a, a good while. They're a California band and, and they're kind of, I guess, a psychedelic garage rock band. And, uh, and I don't think that I- any of those descriptors gave it enough credit for what it is. Um, but they're, yeah. So anyway, the new record is called a weird exits and this band is totally weird. And, but in, in, some of the most delightful ways so definitely recommend it it's awesome for editing and you know there's a there's a little bit of surf in it too (laughs) so just imagine that all right it's crazy but yeah definitely recommend that send me the link, so i got some
0: editing to do absolutely um and that also reminds me i'm gonna make another i'm gonna make a music recommendation as well uh something i've been listening to editing uh an older one is rounds by fortet Oh yeah, which uh, is pretty much all instrumentals, and you. I don't know if there's a genre name for electronic music, but that is mostly analog recordings and a lot of like found sounds mixed with small loops, and um, it's become a really widely used. Uh, like widely licensed album as well. I've heard it on NPR a lot as like show intros. I've heard it on commercials. I mean, it's, it's kind of like what happened with Moby's play. In oh, that right. it, just, it just went everywhere. And, um,
1: but, but yeah, maybe not as far.
0: Yeah, but not as far. And that was like uh, the most licensed record of all time. <laughs> oh yeah. He, he has made disproportionate amounts of money off of a uh, play because mm-hmm. of that. I know, I know he's, Weirdly rich, just because <laughs> of that. Just because of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Fortet rounds. I, I like it.